0: Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide.
1: Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the
0: script. Okay. Here are your host, Tom and JT. Welcome stand to season three. Stand up shout! Stand up! Stand
2: up and out! Stand up shout!
0: Hey, welcome in to the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting. You're targeting this is Season three, episode eleven. I'm half of your host team, JT, along with Tom Sims. Tom, are you there? Hey, Tiffin. Man, you are not cheered at all, and I see why because I'm reading on my computer screen the the title of this podcast, and it's "Down Goes the Champ." And absolute, you're right. Tyson Fury beat uh, Devon, Deon, Devontae Wilder. You know, the Tuscaloosa native in the heavyweight championship. So the champ definitely went down Saturday night. So uh, a pro pros for the, the title.
1: Yeah, that was not the one I was referring to. And besides, Wilder
0: had no belts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our listening audience probably didn't know that till right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness gracious. What a weekend, bud. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shake it off.
0: It, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we talked about this, and, and I hope that, you know, I did pick Mama at 11-1, and, 1 and I, I said our loss will be at Florida. And maybe I just missed it. Maybe we'll, you know, best-case scenario, maybe we'll finish 11-1, and, and I just missed our loss. I, I had Florida, and it's A&M. And I, I'm not panicking. We'll get into the game, uh, you know, wholeheartedly eventually. But it was uh, – it's never pleasant when you lose, and – to play like we did and and pleasant yeah it wasn't it wasn't good but you know we talked about it last year to wrap up either either last year's last podcast or this year's first first podcast possibly both you know all four playoff teams that made the playoffs last year were starting new quarterbacks and guess what all four teams have at least one loss Clemson has two so As far as the health of college football, if you believe in such a thing, it's wonderful for if you're the average fan, you know, man, Clemson's out, Bama, Ohio State, Notre Dame are all three under the gun. I think Notre Dame's out, but just say at one loss they get in. Bama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame have no room for error anymore, and that's what you like to see because now if Bama gets in or if Ohio State gets in, they've earned it because hey you you know you were under the gun for x amount of games for bama what we're 5 and 1 and we've got six games left plus atlanta i mean we're seven games we have no margin of error so it's an exciting time but boy i, I like that margin of error
1: <laughs> yeah me too <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i've got commentary tonight and i had written I would email myself during the red river showdown that and I don't even remember what it was. I think it was about the refs growing a pair and making a call. And I don't even remember what happened. Was, I think it was a fumble, and it was uh, it was clear that he was down after replay. And refs just will not call that anymore. They let it play out, which is good to let it play out. But you know, like if you're if I'm a ref and I see it, I'm gonna call it. I, I my hat is off to the NFL. They seldom. I think college is hindered by replay because. They know they can always go look at it. Every play is looked at in college. Where in NFL, you, the coach has to challenge unless it's under the whatever all scoring plays are replayed, and then under five minute, I think in each half is a booth review. But they're under they're under pressure to get the call right, and that pressure makes them sharp. And I think college refs get lazy. But anyway, that that's after we lost, I'm like, you know what, we're gonna. This is a Bama podcast. And we're going to talk Bama. And I, I told Tom today he called me, and uh, to go over some pre-show stuff. And I said, "Well, tonight's commentary is going to be the phases of Nick Saban. Phases like phases of the moon. P H A S E S. Phases of Nick Saban. And I feel like, and this is something I just came up with off the top of my head uh, over the weekend, and really kind of thought it out and and weighed it, and really what I where I thought the breaks were in the years." I feel like what what well, let me ask you Tom what phase do you feel like we are in Nick Saban's career at Alabama and don't say last I mean we, we might be in the last but give me a number like how many phases have there been up until this year just what gut feel
1: Okay so I'm not entirely sure I understand the question because I asked you about it and we saved it for the podcast so I don't know exactly where you're going Give me a with number this, between
0: but... give me a number between 1 and 10
1: <laughs> <laughs> so ten is he's retired and one was two thousand seven?
0: Exactly. Somewhere uh, in between and betwixt and between those.
1: I got you. Uh I'll I will say eight.
0: No, nah, I, I feel like we're in phase four right now. And and here's eight, Out of ten? Out of, no, I, I didn't, I didn't say you had to go. I, I should have said a number between one and five. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> let's break into this. So this is flopping. Like I really was proud of, uh, of my work here and it's already flopping, but I, I feel like we're in phase four and let's go over phase one, two, and three. I feel like phase one of Nick Saban was arrival till about the end of 2012. Might've had a little a bit of overlap to 2013, but if you, when Saban came, that is always going to be known. That first recruiting class, of course, he, he had to hold together a class that actually had Rolando McClain in it, and among others. But his first true recruiting class was the 08 class Julio Jones, Mark Ingram, Marcel Darius, Mark Barron, Barrett Jones, Dante Hightower. And then the next year, I kind of lopped those two first two recruiting classes in. The next year, we had AJ, Fluker, and Trent. I mean, dude, that's some solid players right there. And that's just mm-hmm. scratching the surface. This there's, there's kid's, that, I didn't look this up. I just was going off of memory. And those recruiting classes, 08, 09. If you, st- if, if you came in 08 and you red shirted and you played your fifth year, you end up getting three rings, eight, nine, 10. 11, yeah. You got three rings. We won it in nine. We won it in 11. We won it in 12. If you were an 09 signee, then and you stayed just four years. You got three rings. So just – and that, those teams were built on defense. Don't turn the ball over. You know, our first quarterback to win it was, of course, Greg McElroy. We had John Parker Wilson and for one year, or I guess 07 and 08, and then 09 was GMAC, 09 and 10, and then A.J. was 11 and 12. So that was kind of – that kind of wrapped up phase one is – what I'm saying is the leadership. Like Julio, Julio and Ingram left in 11, Darius left in 11. Some of those kids stuck around to twelve, and then, of course AJ, or I guess uh, Julio and them left in ten. I'm sorry, after ten. I'm sorry, and then AJ, of course, he stayed till, till 2013. Trent left after eleven, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Eddie Lacy's in there as well. So that kind of wraps up phase one. Phase two was, but between the years 2013 2016, we won one title. We finished second again. In uh, an, another season, we were lacking at a at a quarterback. But think of the kids that just we got that didn't pan out. You know, Philip Sims. I really felt like he was gonna do good things for us. He transferred out. He, AJ beat him out. He transferred to Virginia. Never really did that well. And um, Cooper uh, Cornwell. Remember that kid? Yeah. <laughs> He's <was> like six <laughs> five. Uh, ran a five four forty. Cooper Bateman, the famous start, to t- two thousand fifteen. Uh, Ole Miss game at Tuscaloosa, you know, but we had to rely on transformed quarterbacks from inside, like a you know running back or defensive back, like Blake Sims. One of the best jobs Kiffin's ever done was making Blake Sims all SEC, and then you know we had to transfer in from uh, from Florida State and Jake Coker, and, and of course Coker won it. But to me, that phase is is uh, we begin the transfer from a defensive power. To more balanced even maybe offensive power derrick henry best running back in the nfl right now bar none Kenyon drake alvin kamara who transferred he was on that team uh reuben foster tony brown eddie jackson marlon minka uh a'shaun robinson uh calvin ridley they were on that team so that was kind of phase two. Phase three, definitely 2017 till last year, and that was the phase of the quarterbacks. We had, at one time, we had Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones on the same team. I mean, what a lineup that was. <laughs> and, you know, our the best wide receivers that will ever be assembled in college, in my opinion, in a two-year span was Smitty, Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, and then you had Mechie come along. Of course, Mechie is going to you know, slip into phase four and which is where we're at now. And I said all that, I guess my point is this, is the names I mentioned to you, you recognized every one of them, didn't you? Oh yeah. And you considered probably a lot of them to be leaders uh, of the team at that point. And I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. We've talked over and over about, about the, the leadership on previous teams as opposed to this year. And I just, you know, Bryce is a young quarterback, very good. Will Anderson, you know, he, and when I wrote this down, it was before they met with the, the press today, and I, I heard that Will Anderson got real emotional on, on, at the press conference. And But I don't know that we have that alpha dog in the, in the locker room right now. Uh, you know, Malachi, Job, um, I just don't know where, where the leadership is coming from, from, from this team. And maybe maybe it'll change. But we don't have, I mean, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, Damian Harris starting for the NFL. Like, where's that running back on this team? You know, mm-hmm. to me, he's not there. Where's the Julio? Where's the um, – oh, gosh, of course I'm drawing a blank – um, right after Julio, plays for the Cowboys, scored a touchdown yesterday. Thank you very much, Amari Cooper. Where are those guys at? You know, and and I the the positive of Phase 4 is I think we're going to continue on with our quarterback, our plethora of quarterbacks, because we got Bryce Young very much. Still, the other night, it, it kind of put a chink in his armor on the Heisman Trophy. But let's be honest, if, if we run the table, which we are going to be favored in every game from here on out, if we run the table, get to Atlanta, and we, and he outdeals whoever Georgia throws out there, Bennett or uh, JT Daniels, he's going to be in, in New York. He might not win it, but he'll be in the final, in, in the final group at New York. But we also have a commitment from, for this year from Ty Simpson. We're heavy in, depending on who you listen to, on Arch Manning. So I really think we're going to continue on with the quarterback. And it shows, to me, it shows how Nick Saban grew because in two thousand nine, he didn't have to have Bryce Young, he didn't have to have Mac Jones or Tua or Jalen to win a national title. Heck, he didn't even have to have those guys in the two thousand fifteen title with Jake Coker. So it, he he has seen that it is is go more to an offensive league. I mean, I, I named t- a ton more defensive players in the 'o eight class than I did on any other class. But I, I was looking back at some of those some of the people that have come through, and it's just like. Last year was a culmination. Smitty stuck around. Najee stuck around. Mac stuck around. And, like, they were the leaders of the team. And we knew they were all gone. And the leadership, to me, has just not shown up. But, anyway, that's just what I had. And, you know, feel free to give your thoughts on that. It's just, um, well, you know, that played, a- out, played out played in my head a lot better, I think, than it did on the podcast.
1: No, I mean, that's a good, that's a good point, particularly – from last year's squad, how do you lose, you know, like, well, let's, let's think about it. We lost from last year's squad. You lost the uh, best run in the back in the nation, the best quarterback in the nation, two of the best receivers in the nation. Uh, the best one of the best linemen in the nation. All those defensive players, best in the nation. You know yeah. everything in the best in the nation. Are you trying to tell me that they weren't the leaders? They were taking their cues from the second string guy. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, so you're right. They you didn't have the leader from last year to hold over to this year, and that's a that's a big that's a big thing. Uh, and and I think you also hit on what. uh I think I'd mentioned in our uh, preseason breakdown of Alabama football when I started listing all the players from that recruiting class that normally are your leaders and your stars in this year's team, and we didn't know who they were. Yeah. And – a lot of that was a product of how good those players were last year. It's hard to get on the field when you have an all-star cast like that last year. And so those players didn't get the experience. And it's not that all of them needed the experience, but a lot of times, you know, some players from this class don't play out very well. And you got players from earlier or later classes, and it's sort of a mixture. But last year's team – boy, they were just some superstars and they were all eligible to go to the draft and mm-hmm. <laughs> you lost them all at once. So, yeah, I mean, well, it's a, I'm, definitely a good
0: point. I'm glad that you kind of touched on the personnel because there's one thing I want to cover, and we'll go ahead and get into Bama A&M, but there's one thing I want to cover about personnel uh, towards the end. But, I, you know, I, I don't know if I told you. I don't think I told you pre, um, pre-show pre but you know my buddy Mitchell, who lives in South Alabama, he's in, in co- coaching football in high school, and he's got a connection to a, an assistant coach uh, on the Alabama staff. And I don't know how he pulled this off, but he has talked this guy in, into calling tonight, and uh, that we can interview him on the podcast. But when he calls, calling here on the podcast, yeah, he's going well, to call myself. So when he calls, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, to cut you off for a minute, and you can you'll still be able to listen, you just won't be able to, to communicate who, who with is me. It? I I can't tell you. I mean, and I, I think he's gonna I don't I don't know. Let's just let's when he calls, we'll have to just kind of break in. But let's let's go ahead and start with the Bama A and M recap. Sure. To me, there are five things that happened in the game uh, Saturday night that that kind of, that went against us. You know, I got on Facebook right after the game. I'm like, I'll go ahead and take my medicine and Topher, friend of the show. He's like, let's see what Bama fans come up with. Uh, you know, it, it, we beat ourselves. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure we do that. Uh, so I'm going to try not to do that. And, and and I have decided to go with five things that, that look, the, the team that played the best won. 100% hands down. I didn't say the better team, but the team that played the best, they won other night. Oh, hey. Hey, hang on a second. Hello? Coach, you there? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Hey, Coach. Hey, Jason Tiffin, welcome into I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. How you doing?
2: (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. First off, it's great to be here. I was hoping to be able to get on your podcast one day. Just wish it was under different circumstances.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, appreciate you calling in. Now, and I'm just going to call you, Coach. We're not going to give your last name. Don't want you to get in trouble with Nick Saban. But uh, you know, tough, tough game. Uh, Tom and I and I have I have had to put Tom on hold at the moment. So, but he he will. He, he probably will text me a question. I wouldn't doubt to, that I can ask you. But you got time to answer a couple of questions? Sure, fire away. All right, all right. Well, we have a special guest uh, with us today. Uh, he's an assistant coach at Alabama, like we said. Coach, let me ask you this, what's on everyone's mind. What was the line of thinking when Alabama threw the ball three consecutive times inside the four yard line?
2: Well, as far as the passing plays inside the four yard line, Nick told me immediately to run B-Rob on first down because their defense was gassed. I overruled that one, so that one's on me. On second down, He looked over at me and screamed that I was supposed to run the ball. You know how he gets. Well, I got my wires crossed again because I thought he was just talking about first down and kind of scolding me for that and not insinuating second down again. So I missed that one too. After that, I felt like it was probably too late to try to run the ball on third down.
0: I mean, I can't can't argue with that, uh, that logic. Boy, you know, you would think that as much money as we pour into the, the football program, we'd have better communication skills on Saturday, but uh, yeah, that, that's that, y- one, that one was on me. Uh, that's y'all's business, not mine. Uh let me ask you this, Coach. It seemed like we had several drop passes that were out of character for this team. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, I, I know there were several in the game, but I'm sure your question is referring to Billingsley. He had the most critical ones. I know he had two critical drops that would have extended drives and possibly even pulled one in that could have scored down there in the goal line. But what people didn't realize in that game is that uh, Jaleel broke four fingers in that old Miss game, two on each hand. Really? It wouldn't, yeah, it wasn't those hairline cracks either. Those, those bad boys snapped completely in two. And he still played. Yeah, they had to be reset with pins and other medical stuff. You know what they are. But uh, Jaleel couldn't even touch the ball without screaming in the pregame. But we knew that A&M knew that. They wouldn't expect us to throw it to him, so we did. And it just kind of backfired on us.
0: All right. Well, I don't know what kind of logic that is. And, and I, I did not expect you to throw a kid under the bus. But, hey, let's let's move right along. Hey, my partner Tom has got a uh, got a question for you. And we'll we we'll kind of wrap it up. I know you're a busy man, Coach. <clears throat> From Tom, what was the defensive game plan coming into this game? It seemed like AM had the perfect strategy Saturday for everything that we called. Shit,
2: that was Pete's thing. I'm sorry, I didn't 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 mean to cuss there, but uh, yeah. Now, he... Pete,
0: Pete is not a cuss word. But carry on. <laughs> Good
2: one. Uh, you know, he saw a video of Lane playing wiffle ball last week, and all day Wednesday and Thursday they had a wiffle ball tournament. Nick was all time pitcher. My team won. Uh, I think Pete could have done a little more than just organize a wiffle ball tournament. That's just me. I'm on the other side of the ball. So
0: uh, I, 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 I'm just not going to get into that. Okay. Well, coach, hey, uh, we got some. Wonderful information there. That will probably hit the Twitter machine later tonight, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that thing go viral on Feinbaum tomorrow. So, Coach, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to patch Tom back in. Hey, thanks for your time.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Be a goldfish.
0: Be a goldfish. Did you hear it? Tom, are you hey, back? Hey, I'm back. I, hey. I, couldn't, I couldn't hear it. He just said be a goldfish. and. uh <laughs> be- and I know what he's talking about. Did I bring that up on the podcast or is that Ted Lasso?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. Apparently he watches that too.
0: I, well, I, you know, you're going to chalk it up to him watching Ted Lasso. I'm going to say he listens to the podcast. I know <laughs> we've mentioned that before. So, uh, so. so, wow. Okay. Well, it, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I look forward to hearing has, that. Yeah. Billingsley has four broken fingers, two on each hand. That's what? why he struggled to catch the ball. I, I, I was telling you what coach told me. Oh my God. And, um, Miss, mixed signals on. I uh, asked him about running the ball or throwing the ball three consecutive times instead of running it. He said he got mixed signals from Saban and it was his screw up. And uh, something about a wiffle ball tournament. I, I kind of lost lost uh, concentration toward the end. But, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but holy But let, Let's get back into. Uh, let me finish out my five things and uh, and we'll get back on the serious side of this podcast. To me, there are five things that really hurt us in this game. And here they are, uh, they possibly, I think they're in order actually. Malachi more targeting, that really hurt. And it's not that Malachi is, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, he's very good. Heck, he started last year as a freshman, but I don't keep up with the defense, like who makes what calls. And some of the Bama fans, oh, that's a rabbit package, that's our dime package that's our quick rabbit that's our strong rabbit i don't get into all that i just i, I just like to watch 11 guys in red uh win against uh, 11 guys that are not in red so but as soon as he got kicked out danielson's like you know that's the quarterback of the secondary so you knew at that point you know that was a pretty big loss the interception in the end zone and that is not a cardinal sin like if you're throwing from the 40 and the ball flutters on you a little bit and it gets intercepted in the end zone, you're not in field goal range anyway. So that's not a terrible interception, but we're inside the red zone and they intercepted in the end zone. Luckily, they step out at like the two trying to return it. But that that took points away and we have got to get points on the road. But the last three to me are, are the the ones that just did us in. We block a punt, get a special teams touchdown. We cut it from 14 to seven and we kick off, and for the love of Pete Golding, why do we not kick the thing out of the back of the end zone every single time? We kick it to A-Chain, who apparently is should be playing for Auburn because he's the fastest kid in the conference right now. He's untouched. Mm-hmm. Untouched and totally takes the momentum, you know, because ultimately when you're playing a team like A&M, they've lost two in a row. and the back of the – they got the lead. But, you know, in the back of their minds are like, man, we're playing Bama. It's just a matter of time. We know we're going to be lucky to win. We block the punt, fall on it for touchdown. All we have to do then is kick off to them, hold them three and out, four and out, five and out, whatever. Just don't let them get points. And we're, we're probably going to win the ball game. And then, as I asked the coach when you were on, on muted a while ago, uh, first and go from the four, and we ran three straight passes. And, you know, I don't even mind. The pass plays as much as i mind the way in which we ran them we ran them from the shotgun formation so basically very little play you can do very little play action from the shotgun with bryce young yes he can run but he doesn't like to run you know if you have matt corral back there running the shotgun with because he doesn't care to run he looks to run it's a total different ball game and I mean, B Rob had a great game, and we don't give him the ball and at one time inside the four, had to kick a field goal. But the one that really did us in is we get up 38 31, and they drive down and score. It, you know, we had, a, I think we had a penalty that, that allowed them to, to get closer to, or a blown coverage, probably all of the above. But it's I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's three minutes left, and it's tied they're going to kick off to us. We've got two timeouts left. At that point, we've got to receive the ball and everything's in our favor. They've got to stop us. We control the clock. We have, we should be good enough offensively that and they should be, you know, they know they can't allow even a field goal. So they're going to have to play they're going to have to play more conservative than if they had a, a lead and we run the ball on first down. And get one yard. Then we pass, pass, and punt, and that did us in because they drove down. As we know, we got a pass interference call. They kicked a twenty-some odd yarder to beat us. But that goes back to Danielson, and I have a big issue with Danielson in this game. But I will give him credit where credit's due. If you remember the Ole Miss game, we're up forty-two to fourteen, and maybe Ole Miss scored. I guess it was forty-two to seven. They either scored and kicked off, or they punted to us. But it's forty-two to fourteen. I don't know, four and a half, five minutes left. And Danielson says, you know, this is where Alabama needs to learn to salt the game away. And, you know, in in the old days, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Derrick Henry, it's first and ten, it's second and seven, it's third and three, it's moved the chains. It's first and ten, it's second and six, it's third and four, it's moved the chains. And we went, I think we went three and out or four and out or five and out, whatever. And we punted back to them. They end up scoring a touchdown. Not a big deal. 42 to 21. Who cares? But the bottom line is we couldn't finish out the game. And that's what happened to us for uh, Saturday night. Is at, at that point, we get the ball back with three minutes left and two timeouts. We should either make it to overtime, miss a field goal, hit a field goal, break loose for a touchdown, or punt the ball back to them with, you know, 30 seconds left and they have exhausted all their timeouts and that just didn't happen. So to me, those five things. And I, th- I hope Topher be proud. I'll be, I did not say we beat ourselves on any of those, the better team won, but those five plays situations really did us in.
1: All right. So <clears throat> here, here's, I had written down a few things during the game, after the game, whatnot, and just been I've been simmering over them for a couple days. And I'm going to tell you what, the way that game went, and I feel like some games are just this way, that game was always going to be a loss for us. And here's what I mean by that. You're right. When we were talking about preseason rankings for Alabama, both of us, said that we would lose a game in regular season. And we weren't sure which one it was. And there were legitimately only three candidates. Florida at Florida, at Texas A&M, SEC championship game. Those are the three. I think you you thought we would lose at Florida. You were almost Mm -hmm. right there. I thought we would lose in the SEC championship game still get a playoff berth. We're in complete agreement that those are your three toughest teams. Now, there's no doubt Texas A&M had not played like one of those three teams. I mean, they were preseason top five and had already lost two games. Now, I will tell you what, Arkansas is a good team. Mm-hmm. uh and and that that's a, that's a that's a game where when Arkansas plays well they're tough to beat and I'm not looking forward to that game down the road but Arkansas is a good team. A&M had played poorly at the quarterback position and that was not the case Saturday and immediately everybody's thoughts went to Steven Garcia because that's exactly the kind of game that Calzada had particularly in the first half he couldn't miss. And he couldn't miss in the last two drives of the game. I mean the guy has he he went I think for hundred and twenty yards and one interception against Colorado. A yeah. game they won ten to yeah. seven. Uh this is not this is not that kind of game. And I'm not gonna sit here and say like A and M did that Calzadas turned the corner and he just need the experience. I think sometimes things just fall into place momentum gets you you can do no wrong heck i've been on a basketball court where there's nobody can guard me i can i can hit everything i, I didn't end up in the nba i didn't even get drafted when i was in the draft i sad <laughs> but uh <laughs> but i mean you know there's just sometimes that things go your way and go your way as a team and just watching that game there was just You know what it reminded me of, and I kind of chuckled at this during the game. They kept taking the camera down to uh, Manziel, who was standing on the sideline. And, of course, he's showboating for the camera or whatever. But did you see him with his two arms outstretched wide? Did you notice that on the sideline when they had the camera on him?
0: Yeah, he's got two sleeves of tattoos.
1: Yeah, but he had those arms stretched out wide. you know what that reminded me of? was that? It reminded me of that movie Angels in the Outfield. You ever see that?
0: No, I have.
1: <laughs> that to me was the epitome of that game. I think he was doing the angels' flap there, and it wasn't a it wasn't a championship game, so it was okay for them to be there. <laughs> and it, it it played that way all the way through. Like every pass that went up just went to the perfect spot. Guys falling down backwards, throwing it up, and he just throws a dart. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It even went to the end of the game. As soon as he kicked that ball for the field goal, I was like, man, he missed that left. Then Angel pulled it back to the no middle kidding, of the go post. I mean, it had a <laughs> curveball ball on it. I'm like, what What just happened there? But, uh, it, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> there's there are a few things else in that game that I was frustrated with. And one, I've, I know if you've watched a game with me in the past, which you have, I have likely discussed this and I was frustrated again with it. And and as good as Saban is, and I, he is the best who ever done it, and, and I, feel, I feel absolutely like dog crap even second-guessing him on something. But one thing that always frustrates the crap out of me is that he will not use timeouts at the end of the half. Yeah. We needed that. We were down 14. A&M had the ball there on their own 20 facing a second and – Ten after they got stuffed on first down
0: with a minute to go,
1: and he just let it go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't, I don't get it. If he was afraid that they would bust one and go up thirty-one or go up twenty-one points. I mean, and you got to go have more faith in your defense than that, right? I, I think so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, I could understand it if they were at midfield or uh, even out at their own forty, but they were on their own twenty. But he does that game in and game out. He, he. If the other team wants to let the clock run, he will absolutely let them do it. <laughs> and I, if we have the ball now, he tries to score, but he does not try to call timeouts on defense to get the ball back. And I, that's a philosophy of his, and, I, I you know, I don't know. Um, I know one thing that I thought was probably the difference in the ball game was the drop passes, particularly by Billingsley. Billingsley dropped two, at least two, first down passes, one late in the game that would have kept that drive going and kept the ball. Yeah. Um, that's Those Those are just right in his hands, too. Just And I, I, I don't think he had a catch. I think he got targeted. I looked at the stats Saturday and then hadn't looked back at him. But I think they threw it to him three or four times. It don't show up. In college, like it is a pro, if you, if you look at the pro stats, it'll show receivers that had targets, even mm-hmm. though they didn't have any catches. And ESPN doesn't do that for the college receivers. So I didn't even see him on the list. But I think he got targeted three or four times, and he had at least two, and I think he had three drops. Yeah. And and, and in critical, critical uh, times. And we had a lot of untimely stuff. The, the fourth down procedure call, where we we're going to go for it on their side of the field. The pass interference on the last drive turned that field goal into a chip shot. There's just so many things. Now, I'll I'll tell you one thing that I highly disagree with the entire country about, of course, except for Homer Bama fans. But Bryce Young didn't play a terrible game. He did not. In the first half, he had zero. There's nobody that's throwing the ball when the linebacker sprints at the snap of the ball straight up the middle and is completely untouched. You're, I mean, there's nothing you can do there. He no, was no, no. under extreme duress in the first half. The interception sucked. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I thought he played a pretty good game. And if he gets a handful, I mean, then Billingsley wasn't the only one. Mitchy had at least one drop. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I can't remember if there was another one. But you, you pick up three or four more catches there instead of incompletions, and all of a sudden, not only do you get those yards and and stats, you're keeping drives alive, and you're still you're still moving the ball. Those were those are huge, and those were not his fault. Um, a thing that frustrated me in this game for sure is that we had zero sacks on their quarterback, zero. So we're not pressuring this guy enough to sack him, yet he's throwing dimes all over the place. And I know part of that is he's getting it out early, and that was by design. But that's a quarterback, again, that went 10 for 20, 120 yards and a pick against Colorado. Yeah,
0: he's just pathetic. It,
1: yeah, he should not be throwing to open receivers. And those receivers were open, too. A lot of them were definitely open. Now, it takes a heck of a throw to get it there, and he was putting it on the money. But that that is not his game. But no sacks, that, that hurts. And and I'm going to say one last thing before I get off of here, as far as the Bama game. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make two points. We're going to run way long on this. I got it out before you did. Um, <laughs> one, is it just me, before I make my final point, is it just me, or does toe Toe not look physical as I thought he would be?
0: No, uh, I, I agree. like a kind of like a more of a strong safety body type. I yeah, I, know what you're I think saying. He's,
1: he's fast, but he seems to do he seems to miss on arm tackles and he arm tackles too much. Yeah uh, I, It just doesn't seem like a physical linebacker that I expected him to be. And maybe that's why he was at Tennessee last year. I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll get better. But uh, that's frustrating. But the last thing I'll say, are there any other teams in the country right now? And this is an excuse, and this is this is a, a Bama-Homer thing, but I'm, I'm going to just say it frankly, and it's the truth. Are there any other teams in the country right now that could – go into that environment the second largest crowd they've ever had which is always the case when bama comes to the town pretty much you know they, they want to pack house everybody wants packed house to try to knock off the champs and it's understandable but to go into that environment be down 14 have everything going they return a kickoff for a touchdown their quarterback has never thrown more than two touchdown passes in the game and all of a sudden he's over 300 and throwing darts all over the place uh, they have running back duo that's grinding up yards first half. They take a 14-point lead in the halftime, 14-point lead in the third quarter, just killing it. Is there another team in the country that's up by seven with five to go with everything that went wrong for us, everything I, that could go yeah, wrong? I
0: don't, I don't think so.
1: We throw a pick in the end zone. We fumble the ball. Um, back Those are back-to-back possessions. That's how they got up 14, those two. Yeah. Two back to back, you know. Then we go down there and with the inexplicable play calling we've mentioned before and whatnot, but we we go down and kick two field goals inside the red zone, very unlike us for mm-hmm. sure. And I wasn't so sure. I, I thought they were going to go for it on that on that uh, on that fourth down and four, but he kicked it. And and I didn't at the time. I thought that was a, that was the right call, and it probably still. I mean, heck, it was the right call. We went down one, and eventually was up seven. When you're up seven with our team with five minutes to go. You should win that game. Yeah,
0: that's that's the game you got to win because then just that Bama factor takes over and yeah. oh, crap, we, we knew this whole, was going to happen.
1: Yeah, the whole stadium is down. They're like, man, we were winning this whole game, and here we are, five minutes to go, and we're down seven, and couldn't finish. That quarterback showed up again, went straight down the field. It was, you know, it, it, to me, it just seemed inevitable that we were going to lose that game, just based on everything that that went. A&M's way.
0: So. Yeah, hey, I, I think we're good on time based on because uh, I, I, I want to cover one more thing and I, I we'll kind of breeze through Auburn, Georgia and then we'll talk, kind of touch on Mississippi State, Bama and that will probably be our only game of the week and we'll cover our bets, but I, I really thought about this. This is the third point I wanted to make. I want to talk about the phases of Saban, the five things that happened in the game that caused us to lose and then the, the third point was this. Last year, and, and feel free to disagree with me, but last year We had Najee Harris running the ball, and this is going to – you're going to feel like this is a shot at B-Rob. It really isn't. B-Rob did great. But think of last year. Last year, the pecking order for running backs was Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, okay? I don't know about you, but probably four or five games in before our bye week, Najee – I'm sorry, Trey was kind of taking some carries away from B-Rob. And I felt like Trey, I mean Trey's a five star back from IMG. I felt like Trey had the higher ceiling. And I really felt like that toward the stretch run when we hit Auburn, when we hit the SEC championship game and then the playoffs, I thought the pecking order would be Najee, Trey Sanders, Brian Robinson. Did you did you feel that way?
1: Yes. I did. Okay.
0: Well, then we know what happened. Trey had a car wreck. And, you know, the call, I had no idea. The details are kind of sketchy. Then earlier this year, you know, it kind of came out. Like Saban got a call and they said, hey, coach, one of your players in a car wreck, and we think he's going to make it. Like (laughs) that's the the voice coming on the other line of the phone. It's not, hey, he's got a broken leg. We think he's going to live. So, I mean, it was a very serious car wreck. So now Trey Sanders is not anywhere near ready to play winning football, and it's obvious because he's not playing. So to me, I really felt like this time last year, the depth chart would be Trey Sanders 1, B-Rob 2, Jace McClellan 3, and Roydale Williams 4, okay? But it turned out it was B-Rob 1, Jace 2, Trey 3, and Roydale 4, and now Jace tours ACL, well, Tra- or Trey, you know, Trey is out because he's just not ready. So really what we thought would be Trey Sanders one, B-Rob two, B-Rob is flipped into number one. So imagine, think about how good Robinson did Saturday night. What if he was our number two back coming in fresh? You know, you remember how Trent oh, Richardson yeah. used to just chew teams up because Ingram, had worn the defense down and Trent just comes and eats you know mm-hmm. so basically in my opinion from this time last year 12 months ago we felt like it would be Trey, B-Rob, Jace, Roydell, and we're starting who we this time last year we're starting who we thought would be number two he's starting and who we thought would be number four he's second team and that yeah. that makes it that makes a big difference but let's move on to a congrats to A&M uh congrats to Jimbo Fisher to the winner goes the spoils and we will see you in Tuscaloosa next year but let's, let's go to Auburn and Georgia. Uh, that game was wonderful, the 2.30 kickoff, and um, just Auburn getting smacked around. And one, point I, one thing I thought about during this game, you know, when you play Lane Kiffin, you on offense you're like, we got to score. We've got to score every time we touch the ball because Lane is not going to punt much. He's going to score. So the pressure is on you offensively to score, score, score. And to me, excuse me. To me, when you play Georgia this year, the the pressure's on the defense. You've got to keep Georgia from scoring because they're damn sure going to keep you from scoring a lot. And every time Georgia's got the balls, like, man, can we make a punt? We can. We get a. Can we get a field goal try? Because if they get twenty four points, they're going to win. And mm. they they've done it all year. They're going to do it all year. So, uh, you know they they kind of they kind of slop around. They're nothing fancy. Their best wide receivers last name is McConkie. McConkie, that's a real. That's not made up, Tom. That's a real name. At least he's not wearing number forty-seven like Auburn's ace receiver, last name Shinker. <laughs> but you know they kind of they they just they do this. They do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They hit some dink and dunk passes. They hit you one time over the top, and all of a sudden you're down twenty points. The game is over because they're yep. so good defensively. And, hey, to me, Mailman is your starter. Bennett, he, he has progressed a lot from when he played Bama last year. I don't know that you can count on JT Daniels. I mean, I think Tua Tungvaloa is, is – uh, I think JT Daniels is jealous of how healthy Tua Tungvaloa is during the course of his season. So, uh, <laughs> I just – I'm impressed by Georgia. And, uh, you know, Bo Nix going to Bo Nix. Did you know – this is a true story. Did you know he called out the refs after the game?
1: No, I didn't hear that. Did you not really?
0: I got the quotes down. I was, I was hoping you hadn't. Uh, he says to Nathan King of 247 Sports, the guy completely grabbed him. It's uh, talking about a pass interference that was not called. Stuff like that, we don't ever get called. It changes the game. If that had been them, they would have called it. And he says, <laughs> I always feel like there are some questionable calls and big moments, the, the quarterback told uh, AO, AO.com's Tom Green, there were a few today. It's hard to make a play on the ball when they're that aggressive, but I guess the officials were letting them play today and we should have been more aggressive. Freaking, you got to be kidding me, Tom. Bo F and Nix from Auburn complained about calls when that son of a bitch spiked the ball backwards last year and it got called an incomplete pass. <laughs> End of rant. That was a good one. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Auburn, Georgia. I think we spent some time on it in the pregame last week, and there's no season, no reason really to recap it because basically nailed it last week. It was... Uh Auburn, I think we either landed or I did landed on Auburn getting six or either nine in the game. They ended up with ten. They did get one in the end zone. Boy, it took everything they could get to get that one touchdown, too. I think they scored on third down or maybe even fourth down. I forget what down it was. But it was it, – it it took a lot. And they had to bust one outside to get it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> Georgia did a, I think – I think when we left last week, I said thirty-one to nine or thirty-one to six, and what, what did it end up thirty-five to ten. Uh,
0: yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was not a, not a lot, Dad. Uh, I mean, they,
1: they they did what they were supposed to do. They do what we thought they would do, and uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's just it, the game went as expected. So, and I, I expect there to be more for each of those teams in the as expected manner. Neither of these teams are surprising to me. I think they are what we thought they were.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thirty-four to ten was a Georgia Auburn score. So in uh, Georgia, just I mean they scored every quarter: Three, 14, 7, and ten. So uh-huh. they um, they're very good. They are the they're the best team in the country. They deserve their number one ranking. You know, some joker in the AP voted us nine. No, I saw one <laughs> voted us twelve. Did he really? Well, yeah. I, I, I didn't get far enough down. I don't guess. I mean, that's fine. If you want to throw dirt on us, hey, throw dirt on us. But you're telling me you really think we lose to Oklahoma. You really think we lose to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I don't think we lose to Iowa. I'm sorry. I just, I don't buy it. But anyway. The one the one that had us
1: 12 had A&M 11.
0: <laughs> he's a big believer in the old head to head.
1: Yeah, well, you would think that because I was hoping you'd say that. But he also has Ohio State ahead of Oregon.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good voter.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he knows his stuff.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, to game of the week, and we're just going to go Bama at Mississippi State. Uh, I'll
1: take this one. Yeah, go ahead. I don't, have a lot, I don't have a lot on it, but I expect Alabama to rebound in a big way here. And, yes, this is the same Mississippi State team that beat Texas A&M in Texas A&M. Yes, I, I realize that. And Vegas realizes that. That was not lost on them. They didn't have that, and their uh, scorecards get, you know, mixed up, and and the people making the lines didn't realize that that game happened. They all know it happened. This game opened up as a 21-point Alabama favorite. Alabama will take it out on Mississippi State on Saturday. I know this is a hometown uh, game for you guys in Red Bay, but uh, I expect Bama big in this game. And you mentioned it earlier, and I'll mention it again – Alabama's only went undefeated twice, in from wire to wire, to win a national championship. And I'm not saying we're going to win a national championship. I, I I've been saying for weeks. I thought that Georgia is a very very scary team. I had Georgia pick to win the SEC. That defense just looks nasty. But we're not out of it. I th- I still think we're one of the two best teams in the nation. And yes, there were two or three AP voters that still had us at number two because I think I think from all the things that I said previously about being in the position we were at A&M, even with all the mistakes. Now, if you're going to make the mistakes like that, if you're not going to clean up that, you're going to get more than one one loss. But uh, uh, it's going to be there. So I I expect Bama to, to roll big in this game. So yeah, if, if you're if you're still with us on our podcast here, we had a little bit of a blip in the recording, but I, but I'm wrapping it up on 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 the Bama Mississippi State anyway. So uh, ultimately, I just think this is a game that Bama needs. They need to play well. They need to fix a lot of mistakes, and I'm hoping that they can play. Not a vanilla game plan. That's not what they need. They, they need to play a game plan that they can execute. They need to run plays that are, are well executed. And I thought they did a good job of that in the second half of the A&M game, but first half was a disaster. So I expect them to get on track in a, in a big way this week.
0: Well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm taking the opposite uh, opposite side of this you know the first few Bama games we were kind of in lockstep we both agreed that we would beat Miami handily we both agreed that we would beat Ole Miss and cover uh, I think we I, I had us losing to Florida you had us beating Florida but I'm pretty sure you had us inside the number so we were you know we felt like it'd be a close game and you know A&M we were off remember I said 49 to 17 and you said, no, much closer. And you're saying that we'll handle Mississippi State. I'm saying that they'll, they'll be inside the number. It's around 16 and a half. And I, I think they cover. Uh, I don't know that we win the game. And I, I'm not trying to uh, poo-poo our chances. I'm not trying to reverse jinx. I don't know that we win another road game, Tom. But we have two left. We have Mississippi State and we have Auburn. Because we played two road games to this point And we are negative one on the school board. We won by two and lost by three. So I just don't have any faith in us when we travel. And one thing is, I want to ask you this. I asked this question a few people today. A&M played Mississippi State last weekend, and then they played Bama this weekend. Do you think Mississippi State got the same atmosphere that Bama got?
1: No, I think I just mentioned that a while ago. That was the second largest crowd in in Aggie history, and they were
0: pumped. Do you think that Tennessee got the same crowd noise that, that Bama got at Florida?
1: Uh, I think the answer to all subsequent questions, just like on that movie, uh, A Few Good Men, I'm going to stipulate that all of them are no if you're going to stipulate that all your questions are going to be the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well played. But, you know, we, we are the love child of the New York Yankees and the Beatles coming to America for the first time. And we're going to get that atmosphere. And last year we could ha- – well, last year we didn't get the atmosphere, you know, because it was COVID. But we're – I don't think we're prepared to handle And I'm, I know Mississippi State's a smaller venue, but they have the Cowbells. They're going – we're going to get an atmosphere that is reserved for only Bama and Ole Miss. And I just don't know – I hope you're right. I hope that we um, – I hope that we dominate them. I hope it's, you know, 35 to 7, uh, 45 to 10, whatever. I'll take whatever whatever school we can get on, on that type – but I'm gonna say Bama 35 27. I think they stay inside the number, and I think they have 400 yards passing on us. We, I mean, good gracious, Texas AM's offensive line is weak as pup piss, and they, you, like you said, we didn't get a sack. Yeah,
1: but you're you're the epitome of uh, wishy washy now. Though now we talked about Florida A and M Georgia being our tough games, and we both agreed we were gonna lose one, even though you thought it was Florida. So would you have the same? feelings if we lost the florida game you you flip-flop from saying yeah we were going to lose that one and it was going to be the thing to to get us over the hump and we lost a different game and now you're just throwing us under the bus i don't like i don't like your uh angle here i'm just saying it out (laughs) loud i want to go on record i don't like your angle
0: well i take umbrage with your dislike All right, so we're, we're, we are we're running short on time now. We had two other games of the week. So it's a great slate again in the SEC this week. You have Auburn at Arkansas. Should be a revenge game. Uh, Arkansas has two losses now? One loss? What do they got? Two, two losses. losses. Two, two losses. losses. That's right, they lost Ole Miss. Auburn's got two losses. So, Auburn at Arkansas, who you got? So give me a winner. I got Arkansas. I think they're the better team top to bottom. I concur. Kentucky at Georgia, both teams undefeated, both teams in the top ten. Georgia favored by 24-and-a-half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's an Alabama line there. So let's just, uh, line.
0: let's just ask you this. Who's going to cover? We know who's going to win. Who's going to cover?
1: I'll flip flopped on this one. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that Kentucky doesn't keep this at least reasonably close. And when I say reasonably close, they're still losing by more than two touchdowns. They might get in under this number. It scares me a little bit because I do think Kentucky has a solid team uh, top to bottom, particularly on defense, which Georgia's going to struggle with the defensive teams. Georgia didn't cakewalk Auburn deep offensively Saturday. No. They, they methodically got up and down the field. They got some timely turnovers like they normally do because their defense is so strong. So if Kentucky can keep from turning the ball over – they can, they can make a decent showing. There's no shot they're winning the game, but they can make a decent showing.
0: I've got Kentucky inside the number. I'm not sure that Georgia gets to 24.5 points, so we shall see. Mm-hmm.
1: Thinking the same way I am.
0: Uh, recapping the bets. Man, we took a bad beat on the Texas game. I had Texas plus 3.5. It got down to 3, so I was going to take a push. But as you know, the game was tied. All Oklahoma had to do was line up, kick a field goal. They were just trying to line up kick a field goal, and Texas forgot how to tackle, and and it screws the lineup. But I went one and one, and I don't did I have Iowa or did I have Michigan State? Both covered. One of them was kind of a free pick, and the other one was you, who? Went,
1: you went Iowa because Iowa. I was I had mentioned going Iowa in my first game and told you I was sticking with the SEC. All right, so went
0: I went them. Texas Iowa. I split one and one. You went two and oh? Again,
1: I mean, this, this thing is just slowing down way too fast for me. It's like an a NFL quarterback. The game has come to me, and I, honestly, I started picking games this week, and I was like, man, there's six here I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and they were easy my last my these two the two uh, I, I what am I now I'm uh, 7 and 1 my last 8 and Couldn't tell you. Unde, undefeated the last 2 weeks and last last week you had two blowout wins this week was very similar I had uh under in the Auburn Georgia game uh, they could have got a garbage TD to t- turn that one over, but that one stayed low the whole game. It was lucky to even get close to the number. But that w- went under. It was not a sweat. And then I had Kentucky. Kentucky over LSU. They were only giving up three. We just talked about how good Kentucky was. That's a no-brainer. I mean, LSU and Auburn, two, two worst teams in the country conference. I still stand by that and uh, Kentucky just manhandled them. I mean, that game was never in doubt. No. I think they were up 14-21. I think it was 35 to 7 at one time.
0: And you know that uh you know 2 weeks ago they lost Stingley Jr. with a quote-unquote lower leg injury out for the year. Did you see who they lost today?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the receiver. Yeah,
0: Butte, Lower yeah, leg, got... lower leg injury, so they're getting ready for the draft. <laughs> we we might beat LSU worse this year than we did last year and we demolished them last year. Well, since you're uh, 4-0 in the past two weeks, give us game one. What's your winner?
1: Honestly, I'm really, really struggling with this, but I'm going to tell you what. I went back for a history lesson. Uh, I think the obvious winner here is going to be the team that – it would be me and three guys from MIT as the only teams that will pick them. But all all four of us will have Missouri plus the points this weekend against Texas A&M. They're only catching – the line opened up at 10, dropped to 8. And Missouri just got beat to death by Tennessee. And A&M just knocked off the number one team in the country. And when I said history lesson, I went back and looked in that 2013 game, Alabama-South Carolina – South Carolina beat us with Stephen Garcia who played a Calzada game a once-in-a-lifetime, never happened again. The next week they went on the road and lost to Kentucky. <laughs> this is not – and this is not this year's Kentucky team. This is the Kentucky team from seven or eight years ago that probably only won four games all year. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: so, so, yeah, I got Missouri plus the points in game one.
0: Well, that was my game one, so thank you, Tom. So, me and you and the three MIT guys, so – I shall take I'm gonna take Florida minus ten and a half. LSU it's at LSU, it doesn't matter. LSU Orgeron is gone. LSU is a sinking ship and easily ten and a half. You you could tease it up to twenty and a half and and Florida will still cover.
1: That's good. I like that. Uh it wasn't one of mine though. My second game, and of course I'm still staying in the SEC because we're hot and, and I actually have a tie between two Kent teams and I can't I can't figure out which one I wanted to go with. Uh, one of them that I wanted to go with, I'm going to pick one. But one of them I wanted to go with was the over in the Ole Miss Tennessee game. That line opened up at 85. <laughs>
2: at
0: 85. I'm begging you to take the under.
1: It dropped to 80. <laughs> so. Uh, I really like that one. The other one I really like, I just I just spit it out of my mouth, just like I did last week, that, that Auburn and LSU are the two worst teams in the conference. I stand by that. Arkansas is a good team. Arkansas is at home. They're only giving up three and a half. I like them at home. I yep. think I'm going to go with that one as my, my second team. Arkansas is a physical team. They play good defense. They've got a very good offense against mediocre defenses, and I like them. so. Give me Missouri and Arkansas and right. keep an eye on that over
0: in the old Miss-Tennessee game. I'm going to take Mississippi State plus 16 and a half. I, That is not a jinx pick. That is, I don't Loser. know that we are. Uh, I don't know that we're as good as we thought we were. And I'm just afraid that we're going to have a, a hangover from losing. So hopefully I'm wrong, but there's your picks. you got Missouri eight and a half, Arkansas minus three and a half, Mississippi State plus 16 and a half, Florida minus a billion.
1: Hey, I'm buying Missouri up to nine.
0: Good call. (laughs) All right, Tom. Well, we do play Mississippi State this weekend. So if you're going to Mississippi and you're thinking of tying the knot, be prepared to kill six blackbirds or three cows or you won't be able to get your marriage license. Oh, my. True story. All right, well, that wraps us up. And uh, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and you have to hate often. Roll Tide.
1: Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.
2: Have you seen Junior's grades?